Welcome to everyone tonight, and if you're a guest with us tonight, we are so happy to have you in service with us. Pray that you are blessed by the Spirit of the Lord tonight. If you're watching us online, we pray that you're blessed wherever you may be tonight as well. Amen. Well, I guess the Lord's going to speak to some of you in a little while since I don't think anybody's given yet. Joshua chapter 3. I want to encourage you again, if you were not in service last weekend or if you missed any of the services last weekend, I would, I would really encourage you to make sure you watch. We heard three very specific words from God each service, and God did some very significant things. And I believe it's, it's, I'm sorry, but it's not the same as being in the service, but it, it's, it's a decent substitute. <laughs> and so even if you weren't able to be here, you can still receive from it. And I believe that, that, uh, you would be blessed by it. And I know I've done this a couple of weeks now about Thursday nights, but I would actually encourage you if you weren't here Thursday night to also, uh, listen or watch I feel like the Lord gave me a clear direction to communicate Thursday night. So Joshua 3, beginning with verse number 13. And it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. There was no room for question or doubt there. It shall come to pass. As soon, not before... I need to get them transition glasses because I hate having them. Y'all are all blurry when I do this. As soon as, not before. It wasn't prepared before. It was as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon and heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come unto the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the Jordan, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap. When, when did these waters stand up and part? Once they stepped. Sounds to me like they may have actually got their foot a little wet. The waters stood above and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of the city Adam that is beside Zaratan and those that came down toward the sea of the plain even the salt sea failed and were cut off and the people passed over right against Jericho and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood from on stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. I want to draw your attention back to verse number four, verse number 15, 
And the last part of that verse, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. Father, thank you for your presence here tonight. Thank you for another opportunity to be in your presence, to join together with other believers as a part of your body. God, I pray that you would continue your work in us individually and collectively. God, thank you for what you did last weekend. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do. I pray that your spirit would minister, that you would speak clearly in this place tonight. I trust you, God, that you would allow me to be a conduit for your word to flow through, not to preach a sermon tonight, but to deliver a message that would come from you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I trust you and depend on you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is, it is extremely important for us to have or at least to work toward having correct, accurate expectations and perceptions. There are things that God can and I guess God does do all by himself. He didn't need anybody's faith to say, let there be light. He didn't need anybody believing and praying to speak the world into existence. All on his own, he spoke it and it happened. He didn't need anybody praying for the fountains of the deep to open up and the waters to come down from heaven after the Noah and his family got into the ark. And so there are things that God just, he does all by himself. But then there's a lot of other things that he does not just do all by himself. That you and I are participants in what he does. And in fact, we can, some things, hinder God from doing them. And I think a lot of times the reason that happens is because we don't have the proper expectations of how things are going to go, of what's going to happen. And we also have the wrong perceptions because we see what is happening or we see what is not happening and our perceptions are based on that and many times we come up with the wrong perceptions. And so I, I, I want to I wanna just, it, this, I don't have any deep, Wowing revelation for you tonight. I do believe I have a word from God that has been in my spirit for several days now. But I just feel like in light of where we are, in light of what God did last weekend, and, and in light of the fact that it's the year of Jubilee, that we need to have proper expectations and perceptions. Otherwise... Hopefully not collectively, but at the very least individually, we may end up missing out on our part or our place in what God has. And, and, and so part of the incorrect expectations and perceptions 
that we have is that when we are on the verge of God doing what he said he was going to do or or you are about to enter in into some things that God has promised you that the stars will all align. That everything is just going to fall into place. That everything is just going to be in order as you waltz your way in. And the problem is, I think there are times, at the very least individually and maybe even collectively, that we have been on the verge of entering into some things, but we didn't have the right expectation and we definitely didn't have the right perception because we started to measure what God was going to do and where we were at that particular time by what we saw. And so I want you to notice it's, it's a parenthetical phrase that is inserted in here, but it is a phrase of great importance for us to note that at the time the children of Israel were crossing the Jordan to enter the promised land, it was the time at which the Jordan overflowed its banks. And it was harvest time. I want you to notice that at harvest time, when they were entering the promised land, the Jordan was overflowing its banks. What's the significance of that? Barnes Notes explains it to us this way. The Jordan overfloweth all his banks, or rather is full up to all his banks i.e. it is brim full. This remark strikingly illustrates the suddenness and completeness not less than the greatness of the marvel. The Jordan River flows at the bottom of a deep valley which descends to the water's edge on either side in two, occasionally in three, in three terraces. Within the lowest of this stream, ordinarily less than 100 feet wide in this lower part of its course is confined. The margin of the river, the margin is overgrown with a jungle of tamarisks and willows, which in the spring is reached by the rising waters. And the river occasionally at least fills the ravine which forms its proper bed to the brim. Its highest rise takes place about the time when Joshua had to cross it. By the middle of April, the river cannot be forded, and if passed at all, can only be so by swimming. This, however, was a hazardous feat, and though no doubt performed by the two spies, was utterly out of the power of the mixed multitude that followed Joshua. The mere fact that the whole vast host crossed the stream of Jordan at this season is no small proof of the miracle here recorded. No human agency then known and available could have transported them speedily and safely from bank to bank. The Bible exposition commentary says this, During most of the year, the Jordan River was about a 100 feet wide. During most of the year, the Jordan River was only about a hundred feet 
wide. But at the spring flood season, the river overflowed its banks and became a mile wide. Most of the year, the Jordan was only a hundred feet wide. Brother Whaley, what is it approximately from this wall to that back wall there? 120? So a little less than the, than the depth of this sanctuary was the Jordan River most of the year. It would have seemed like God would have chosen for them to cross the river during most of the year. It would have seemed like the right time would have been when it was only about a hundred feet wide. But the time that it came for the children of Israel to cross the Jordan River and enter into the promised land was the least opportune time of the year. It was the time at which it was the most challenging. It was the time at which it was the most difficult thing to do. And I've come to tell somebody tonight, don't miss the crossing because the season doesn't look like the right time. Or because you know what? If it really was time for me to cross, how come there's so much difficulty? How come there's so much challenges? How come there's so many things going against? Because God decides, I'm going to take you across at the time that's not the best time, but it's my time. So that when I take you across, You don't take the credit and the glory for what I did. I do want to pause for a moment. I want you to notice the point that Barnes makes. No doubt the two spies did have to cross that mile-wide river, perhaps by swimming. If you want to see personally what God's got in store in the future before everybody else does, you're going to have to pay a little higher price. If you would like to not just be somewhere in the back catching up with what everybody in the front has already seen, you may have to swim a little bit. You might not be able to wait for the parting of the Jordan and walk through on dry ground with the whole multitude. You might have to work a little bit extra hard. But those two spies had the experience of knowing, I know where you guys are going. I know where you're heading because I've already been there. I don't mean to be offensive to anybody. And this is not just because I'm the pastor of this congregation. But no offense. I don't want to just see everything God's got in store for us at the same time you do. I don't want to just see everything God's going to do at the same time you do. I want to get a glimpse of some things in advance. I want to get a look at some things before we may get there as a whole. But you're not going to get there if all you ever do is stay in the multitude apparently God makes it a lot easier on the multitude at least in this situation Lord if that's you bid me to come the words of Peter if you don't know that Lord We see something out there in the storm. 
And if that's you out there in the storm, invite me to come where you are. And one simple word the scripture tells us was respond, was the response. Come. At the moment he was invited to come, the winds were the same as when they were in the boat. At the moment he was invited to come, the waves were still beating against the boat. He didn't get the opportunity to step out of the boat once everything was calm. I got a feeling there's some folks here tonight that God has tried to tell you, come. But your problem is you're waiting. Well, Lord, you know, if you could settle the wind down a little bit, and if we could settle these waves down some so it's a little more flat out there, I will get out of the boat. That's not the time in which God does it. The time in which you're going to step into what God has for you is going to be in the middle of some waves and in the middle of some wind because Jordan is going to be overflowing its banks. I'm I'm concerned. I've come to challenge us tonight because I don't want to hear what gets preached and what men, men of God and women of God prophesy to us and we just sit back and relax because we think it's all just going to smoothly work itself out. There's going to be a Jordan that's overflowing its banks, but that is not the indicator that we've missed the timing and that is not the indicator that it's not the season. That's, That's what the challenge some of you have faced in your own individual lives. You've been waiting for the Jordan to be within its banks. You've been waiting for everything to line up. And when everything lines up, it don't work that way. When the priests step into the water. When they step, not a moment before. Not one moment before. The priests had to step. Anybody will walk through the Jordan when it's already parted. Anybody will walk through when there's already the path that's laid out. But God is looking for people who are willing to say, I don't care what the circumstances look like. When I walk through the water, when I go through the river, could it be that the water and the river and the fire is not just some random place in your journey? But could it be that's the last thing you've got to walk through to enter into your promised land, to enter into what God has for you? So rather than looking at that as a deterrent that says it's not time, you need to look at that and say, well, the Jordan's overflowing its banks. It's a really good time for God to step in and do what I can't do. Oh, hallelujah. See, it's always at harvest time where there's opposition and challenges. Judges 6 and verse number 2. This is the same chapter a little bit later. This is the same chapter in which... Gideon's name is introduced the first time in Scripture. Verse number 2 says, And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Midian, Midianites, or Midian, the name Midian, 
means strife or contention. Strife or contention. Now watch what verse 3 says. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of of the east, even they came up against them. Anybody got a Bible program open? Tell me the name of what Amalek means. I remember correctly, I think it may be confusion, but I don't want to state that as a fact without knowing for sure. When? Previous verse, please. When? When when did the Midian when did strife and contention arise? When did it show up? At the time of harvest. At the time of harvest. We, we, we think, you know, everything's just going to fall into place. Everything's just going to be in order. Smooth sailing. No. No. It was at the time of harvest. And the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Oh, Hallelujah. How many times have we perhaps been on the verge, again, individually, but also collectively? How many times have we been on the verge, but we had the wrong expectations, and therefore we had the wrong perceptions? Because we expected that if God said it was time, every the devil was just going to roll over and get out of the way and let us just casually walk in to the full... It doesn't work that way, folks. Mother Wright used to sing a song. The darkest night is just before the dawn. And the hardest fight is just to keep holding on. When you lose strength, when you get weary... And each hill seems hard to climb. Just keep the faith. Don't ever doubt. The Lord will be on time. The darkest part of the night is just before. Just before. Just before. Just before. Oh, God. You come to the altar. Get a good touch. You come last weekend and here, I, I, I know I said it, I think Sunday morning and I, I, in all my years, I don't know why it's never hit me the way it did, but, but it just hit me. I think it was Sunday morning. One of those services, bottom line is you could have said it in every one of them. It, how is it that one, one message, one message could be preached, but could have 200 plus personal Relevant, applicable application. That's only God. (laughs) How many of you, maybe last Sunday night, God did something and you woke up on Monday morning and Jordan was overflowing its banks. 
You got out of bed Monday morning thinking you were just gonna, you were just gonna smooth sailing because I, I buried the bones and here we go. And the devil woke up with you on Monday morning and said, no, it ain't gonna happen like that. If you're gonna get into the promised land, if you're gonna get to what God has for you, if you're gonna eventually get to where you're supposed to go, there's gonna be an overflowing Jordan that is going to be the last obstacle and you've got to make up your mind. This may not look like the right time. This may not look like the right circumstances. This may not feel like the right moment, but if this is what God says, then if I will just follow what God says do, that if I will step my foot in the Jordan, it may be overflowing its banks, but God has the power to part the waters when I take the step of faith. They, they cross the Jordan and, and the first thing they do is face Jericho. That's the, that's the first thing that happens. It wasn't enough that they all walked through the Jordan. Right away they faced Jericho. But you know what? God gave them some insight if they were paying attention long before they ever got to the Jordan and long before they ever got to Jericho. Because in Deuteronomy 1 and verse 8, the Lord said this to them, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land. Possess. Possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their seed after them. He said, I want you to go in and possess. That word possess implies you're going to have to go in and fight for it. I've given it to you, but there's still going to be a struggle. I'm giving it to you, but there's still going to be a battle. It belongs to you, but you've got to go in and take it. And not only that, look at what he says in Exodus 23 and verse 28. I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before thee. But, but now watch what he says in verse 29. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year. What he's saying there is... I am not going to drive out the enemy long before you get there. I'm going to drive him out, but I'm not going to drive him out in advance. He says, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. You know what that's saying? God was leaving their enemies there to take care of what belonged to them. God left the enemy there so that the vineyards wouldn't overgrow with weeds and the cities wouldn't be desolate and abandoned. But if you've got the wrong expectation and you've got the wrong perception, you see who God left to take care of what's yours and think they're there to keep you out of it. We're grasshoppers. Maybe you are. That just means he had some really big laborers. 
I'm going to drive them out little by little, he said. I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. I'm going to drive them out, but I'm going to drive them out little and little by little and little. Get in the altar, boy. God speaks. Man of God preaches. You get, ooh, you get it. Come to the altar, boy. Well, you got it. I got a word. I, this is, this is my season for grace, for favor. This is my season to reap what I have sown. God is leaning in my direction. He's leaning. In my direction. You sing that going down the stairs. He's leaning in my direction. And you step out the front door. And the enemy is leaning in your direction. And you lose it. God, I thought you said. I did. But I also told you I'm going to use your enemy to work for you. And I'm going to do it little by little. And as you possess what I give you, I'll push the enemy further and further back. But I'm not going to do it until you get there. When, when those, when those uh, was, it th- was it three lepers? How many lepers was it that were sitting outside the city? And three When those three lepers made up their mind to go to the Assyrian camp, for them, by the time they got to the camp, the Assyrians had already left. It was already gone. They heard heard a noise. They thought something was happening. And they they just hightailed it out of there. And those three guys showed up there and they started seeing what was available. And that was, that was great. That was great. God could have done the same thing with Jericho. Those walls could have already have fallen when they got into the promised land. But they had to march seven days. Six days, they took one lap. And saw nothing. Heard nothing. Oh, they probably did hear something. I would imagine there was some hecklers up on the wall that were yelling down at them. Making fun of them. As God, as based on God's instruction, all they did was walk silently around the walls. And then on the seventh day, Six times, or the se- seven times in silence. And on the seventh time. And I, I don't know, I have to imagine that as they're walking around those walls, that every day, is this really doing anything? Are we really accomplishing anything by walking around? I don't feel anything. I don't hear anything. I don't see any. Why are we doing this? Because God said so. This doesn't make sense. This has never happened before. But God said so. Can you imagine what it was like starting on that seventh day? We've done this six days now and we've seen nothing. 
We've felt nothing. We've heard nothing. And now he's telling us we're going to do it seven times today. How ridiculous is that? Oh, and by the way, after the seventh time, when you get done, you're going to shout. For what? That's what God said do. You're going to step into the Jordan carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because God said so. If you got to figure it all out, you might as well quit now. You're never going to get there because there's going to be a lot of stuff God says, do this or do it that way. And you're going to say, why? Because God said so. It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. God said so. Seven times I want you to walk around. And on the seventh time, when you give a shout, the walls are going to fall. Not one moment before. Because little by little, I'm going to drive the enemy out. Little by little. Little by little. Not going to be all smoothly done. There's going to be some obstacles. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some difficulties that you've got to face. But I want you to know, I'm driving the enemy out. What did Rahab tell those two spies? Where have you been? Why? Why is it they were waiting in Jericho for 40 years? Because 12 guys had gone over the first time. And ten of them came back and said, this doesn't fit our expectations and it doesn't fit our perceptions. There's an enemy there and he's much bigger than we are. Isn't it amazing that they came back and reported to Moses and to the children of Israel. They Notice, notice what they said. We are as grasshoppers in their eyes. How do you know that? Well, we just do. How do you know they see you as a grasshopper? Well, we just know. I just know what I know. And 40 years later, the very ones that they said they were grasshoppers in the eyes of had been living in expectation for God to give to them what was already theirs. I wonder how many of you the enemy has kept out of what God has for you because you've looked at things and based on your expectations and based on your perceptions, you have decided it must not be the time or it must not be God. Because Jordan is overflowing his banks. But God's saying, I just need you to take another step. I need you to keep walking. I need you to keep trusting. Because at the right moment, I'm going to part the waters. But I'm not going to part it before. I'm going to part it when you obey. I'm going to part it when you decide. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, I'm going to keep trusting and believing what God has said. We had the lowest attendance this morning in Arnold that I think we've had the whole time I've been back leading Arnold. There were 144 people in the sanctuary this morning. 
I don't know about you, but that, that kind of doesn't look like what we were talking about last weekend. <laughs> that don't look like what I, I was I preached for brother, uh, brother sister young in Bowie this morning. So I wasn't here. And, and, and some of you know this, I've, I've got this self-imposed restriction that I usually don't look at the, the, they, the, the ushers will send a group text with the count for a service. And, and I used to pretty much always, I'd leave the pulpit at the end of service on Sunday morning and I'd go over and the first thing I'd do is pick my phone up and look at that text. And I'd walk away from the pulpit after a good move of God and altars and people are praying. And man, God did some good things here today. I'd go over and look at that number and I'd just crash and burn. So I decided, you know what, I'm not going to do that. And so most of the time, it's a couple of hours before I will look at that number. And this morning, I wasn't about to look at it. We got in the car and my wife looks at it and she's 144. I'm like, oh, They had to have missed a section or something. No offense, ushers. They had to have missed a section this morning. I texted Brother Isaac. I'm like, was it? Yeah, it was. You know what? That that don't fit. That don't fit with what we felt two weeks ago and saw with 13 first-time guests. I can't help it. The Jordan may be overflowing. Said the Jordan may be overflowing. It may not be the most opportune time to cross. Just because it's Jubilee doesn't mean everything is going to fall perfectly into place in advance. And you're just going to walk through smoothly. There may be some waters that are still rushing. And there may be some mountains that are still in the way. But it is the year of Jubilee. And there are things that God is doing collectively. And there are things that God is doing individually. So I've come to challenge you and encourage you tonight don't miss the season because of the circumstances don't miss it if peter would have said lord if that's you bid me to come and calm the storm wouldn't happen it wouldn't happen he said come come You're going to have to step out in the middle of the obstacle. You're going to have to step out when it looks like the worst time to step out. It's not going to be because you got all the, all the forecasts have said. This is the right time. This is the right season. God's saying, I'm, I'm bringing you to your promised land. And there's an overflowing Jordan. It's not its normal hundred feet wide. It's a mile wide. I know what it looks like. I know. I, I have to imagine that there was had to be some folks in that group of the children of Israel that said, Right now? Joshua, are you are you sure? We 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 could come back in a couple months. Let me tell some of you tonight that you're believing that it's the year for your family members to be restored. You're believing that it's your year for some loved ones that have never been saved to get saved. Hear me tonight. 
That doesn't mean it's going to be a year of all kind of wonderful, fluffy cloud, cotton candy clouds. It may end up being some challenging times. They may end up going through some of the most difficult things they've ever been through before. I.E. the Jordan may be overflowing its banks. But if you'll make up your mind, I may have to step into an overflowing Jordan. That's all right. It may look like they're going the opposite direction from God instead of to God. That's okay. That's okay. I'm still believing. I'm still trusting. I'm still convinced in what God has said. It doesn't matter if the Jordan is the obstacle. It doesn't matter if there's still an enemy that's occupying what belongs to me. If God said it's mine, I'm going to go after it with the confidence that at the right time, God is going to drive the enemy out. you to stand, please. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. What did Paul say to Timothy? I have fought a good fight. I have Listen, 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 listen. Everybody listening. Everybody got you you're standing up out of your system. Now you can refocus. I fought a good fight. Where's that at? Somebody help me out. I can quote them, but I can't tell you where they are. It's in one of Timothy's books, yeah. Second Timothy. I fought a good fight. Kept the faith. Where's that at? Come on, nobody knows that offhand. I'm in good company. Come on, where's all you Bible accordance people at? Come on, come on, come on, come on. All these phones and tablets and nobody knows. 2 Timothy 4, 4, 7. 2 Timothy 4, 7. See, if it was Bishop here, he'd already told you by now exactly where it was. What side of the Thompson chain Bible that it, and what column on that side and what part of the page that it was on. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Notice that last part. I have kept the faith. I have kept. I I need something that can. uh, I I need something that can. We have a little tug of war with here. Help help me out. Help me out. I I need something that won't. uh, Sure. I guess a chair will work. Go grab a chair, Brother Isaac. Here, just grab this stool. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You, you, you take hold of it. Wrap it up and wrap it up. I mean, you get a grip. Why did Paul say, I have kept the faith? Because there was some things along the way. There was some Jordan rivers along the way that were overflowing that came along to try to steal. But Paul said, I finished my course. And not only did I finish my course, but while I finished my course, I still kept the faith. Next verse. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge shall give me at that day. It's easy 
It's easy. It's easy on Sunday night to have the faith. It's easy on Sunday night to have the faith. It's a different thing on Monday when you call that loved one and they tell you they were slapped drunk out of their mind tonight. It's easy to have it on Sunday night. But you got to make up your mind. I will keep. And I'm going to step into the Jordan while I'm hanging on to my faith. Because God said when my feet hit the water, it may be overflowing right now. But when I step in, it's going to part. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, get your eyes off of the circumstances tonight. Get your eyes off of what you can see or feel tonight. And get a hold of your faith. Lay hold of your faith. And say it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. I'm going through the water. I'm going through the river. I'm going through the fire. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I want to invite some more of you right now. Step out of your seat right now. Make your way down to the front to stand here to say, I'm going to keep the faith. I'm not going to get caught up in the circumstances. I'm not going to get caught up in what I feel or what I don't feel. I'm going to trust in what God has said. I'm going to stand on what God has said. I'm going to trust that it may not be the most opportune time, but if it's the time that God has said, then so be it. So be it. So I will not In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. When I walk through the when I go through the river, gonna make a way. He's gonna make a way. A storm, but it's Always not by mistake. Me, no 
the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. stand with confidence and faith that God has brought me here. God's going to make a way even if it doesn't look like there's a way. Shatayado Robosata. 